to this day, I still receive letters from different individuals that I worked with over a decade ago. Um, and just knowing that, you know, I was maybe some small part of that, that that's what keeps me coaching. That's what really drives me is that. If you have a friend, colleague, whoever that you think would enjoy the stories, lessons, and experiences on the Talking Shop podcast just as much as you do, if you think that they would get just as much value out of listening to these episodes as you do, please take the five seconds to hit share, copy link, and send their way. Thank you. Welcome to the Talking Shop podcast. I'm here to share stories, lessons, and experiences in sports performance and professional development. I'm your host, Matt Thomas. Today, I'm joined by Nick Bratton, who is kind of like the Energizer Bunny. I don't know how you do all of this stuff. Just keep going and going and going. And I'll try to try to list all of this stuff in a concise fashion. But Nick is the owner of Brand Sports Performance, who is currently in the process of opening a second facility down in Louisiana, or that's where he is currently. He is the Louisiana State Director for the NHSSCA, the National High School Strength and Conditioning Coaches Association. He's an adjunct adjunct professor at Tulane. He is the co-host of the Business of Speed podcast with Steve Breitenstein, as well as he does a lot for just coaches in general, writing for Simply Faster. And just, I don't, I don't even know how you do it all. Whenever we had our phone calls, just like, you just keep going and going and going. So thank you for, for taking the time to record today. How are you doing today? And what is the story most fundamental leading you to that? Uh, I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, love, love listening to, uh, you know, you guys' episodes and, and kind of the way that you go about things on here. Um, so, uh, I guess the, the first big story. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we had talked about was, you know, a story that kind of relates to my career, um, that kind of shaped the path that I'm on. And, and that's a hard question to answer. Uh, so, you know, I, I think about it in a couple of different pieces. Uh, I can look at it from a business standpoint. You know, at this point, I feel like I do more from a business standpoint than I do from a coaching standpoint. Um, but, you know, I've, I've also been a head track coach in the past. Uh, really loved doing that. Did that for about four years. Uh, obviously, a sports performance coach. Um, and so it's, it's really tough. But I'll tell you what, actually, the, the story that I feel like has shaped me and my life and how I look at things actually has nothing to do with coaching at all. So when, when I think back about, you know, growing up and, and how I learned, you know, a lot of the skills that I learned and uh, just the habits and the traits that I have, you know, uh, one, one story that, you know, I think about often is, uh, you know, my, my, both my parents owned businesses. They were both small business owners. And my mom actually uh, signed for the loan for her small business about half a million dollars the day that I was born. So I think about that now that I have a child, you know, sitting, uh, what it would have been like sitting in the hospital room and signing for a loan the day that you have a child. Uh, but, you know, building off of that, I remember as I was growing up five, six, seven years old, uh, you know, I, I really wasn't in daycare. I spent a lot of time around my parents' businesses. I watched them build those. I spent a lot of time with my grandfather who um, he, he literally built the businesses. He uh, was into engineering and construction. And so he ran a lot of uh, those groups and teams. Um, and so watching him work with his hands and build things, he was also a business owner. And so, you know, one of the things that I think has really shaped me to, to today is the fact that, you know, I love what we do. You know, I, I love work. 
Um, and I feel like sometimes it, it kind of gets this negative connotation and, uh, you know, we're everybody's searching for this work life balance and like work is the bad thing and life is the good thing. And we need this balance between the two. And, you know, I just I feel like work can be a really, really good thing and something that you can really enjoy. Now, there are things that I don't necessarily enjoy about it, but I have to do those in order to do the things that I love to do. You know, I tell our interns all the time we get to show up to work every day in gym shorts and a t-shirt and we get to hang out with high school kids. You know, for us in our facility, we have a mini basketball hoop and a spike ball net. You know, we're playing that throughout the day. It's like, how can this really be that bad? You know, and so whether I'm spending the 10, 12, 14 hours a day in the facility, you know, it's it's really not that big of a deal. So, you know, I, I reflect back on those things and uh, really appreciate my parents, my grandparents for instilling in me this, this joy and work and building something and really uh, evolving as, you know, a professional um, and growing something, you know, whether it's your brand or it's your business or it's, you know, the, the team that you're working with, just being able to see from year to year how it grows and evolves and becomes something more. Uh, you know, I, um, I don't know if you guys follow Gary Vaynerchuk or not, but one thing that he's talked a lot about in the past is not working for the weekend, you know, and enjoying what you're doing during the week. And that's how he's built his success is, you know, always enjoying what he's doing, being being okay with doing a little bit of work on Saturdays and Sundays, but also finding that time to rest. You know, I, I think that's a big piece of what we're doing is, you know, we've got to enjoy what we do from a day-to-day -day standpoint and know that sometimes there are going to be times where we have to do a lot of work. And there are also going to be periods in our life where we rest. You know, I reflect back on that uh, with my wife all the time, the phases of our life. You know, before I moved to New Orleans, I was running a facility in Indianapolis and working 50, 60 hours a week. And then we got married uh, and I actually started consulting in the NBA. Uh, and the first year of doing that, I worked three or four hours a day and I was traveling all over the country. Now, obviously that got busier and busier as I went, but you know, we reflect back on these periods of our life and, and how it just kind of ebbs and flows and uh, just trying to make sure that we enjoy the moment that we're in. But again, you know, it's kind of reflecting back on those stories uh, that make me really appreciate where I'm at now. Hopefully we'll, we'll get to the, the NBA stuff. The next question. Sure. But, uh, so one of the things I remember from our first conversation, you mentioned just always being in, in the, the business that your parents had and that you would never go and get your MS, I believe? Or was it that like, you would never get a, a, a BS because like you you were in a business growing up. So if, if you kind of re remember that comment and if you could kind of just expand on that relative to your first story about um, just watching growing up in a growing business. Sure. So, you know, when you and I had first spoke, we had, we had talked about, you know, again, my parents both own their own businesses. I worked a lot in those businesses throughout high school. You know, I, I can remember averaging 25, 30, sometimes even 40 hours a week uh, just being in those businesses. And again, because, you know, we loved it. We enjoyed what we do it, what we did. They had a great culture there. Um, and so, you know, as I was finishing up my high school career, um, just about everybody that I talked to assumed that I was going to go to college. I was going to major in business. I was going to get my MBA. I was going to come back and I was going to run the family business. Um, and that never that never just seemed like an option to me. Um, and not because it was something that I wouldn't enjoy, uh, but just from the standpoint that that was theirs. You know, they, they had taught me to 
have a dream and to build something and grow it and really be a part of it. You know, my mom always told me, she was like, listen, I, I don't care what you do. I don't care if you go to college and get a degree. I don't care if you go right into the workforce. She's like, it, it really doesn't matter what you're in or what sector you're in. It's, it's taking the opportunity and building off of it. You know, she, she gave me a very vivid example. She was like, listen, you can go and work for, uh, you know, the, the local trash company. And, you know, if, if that's what you want to do, then, then great, but do the best job that you can at that and work your way up, you know, be, become a general manager, a manager, have your own facility, your own site, whatever it is. She's like, I don't care what industry you go into, just make sure you're working as hard as you can, as you can, and you're building through that. And so that was always kind of my mindset is, you know, I went into college as a um, engineering major and, you know, quickly realized that I just, I couldn't sit at a computer all day long, you know, went through the CAD system and learned all of that. Um, and it was great. And I was intrigued by it, but I also couldn't sit at a desk for eight, 10 hours a day um, and, and continue to do that. And that's when I eventually got into exercise science and physical therapy. Uh, but yeah, you know, it was this idea that early on, so many people thought that I was just naturally going to go right into business uh, and then realize that, you know, that that's not what I wanted. I was going to find my own path. It's an interesting drawing these connections and parallels that like professions and fields and degrees and whatever are a lot more similar than dissimilar. And there's a lot of lessons that can be taken, that can be taken away from each. And a lot of people in performance and coaches and stuff like that say that they go to other fields and they read books outside of just traditional performance. So if you had the best kind of business analogy that influences kind of how you coach or program or whatever it may be, if you have one kind of off the top of your head, um, what's what's kind of one of your biggest connection points that you find yourself often saying tying business e stuff to coaching stuff? You know, it. Uh, I think that there are a, a lot of um, a lot of ways that you can kind of tie the two together. Uh, but I think one of the the most basic ways is you know we we talk to our interns, we talk to our young coaches about how we develop athletes, you know, and, and I think that this resonates with me because we just had this conversation a couple of days ago. Um, but we talk about building athletes and how we, we're trying to grow a stronger system. Um, and, you know, part of our internship program is we have them write these programs, you know, and, and so we go through it and we review it. And you know how it is being a young coach. You want to throw everything that you know at these athletes. Um, and, and often I can kind of relate it to a balance sheet. It's like, listen, we, we're bringing a certain amount of money in, we're sending a certain amount of money out. Uh, same thing with training. We are exposing them to certain stimuli that help the body grow, but we're also putting them under a certain amount of strain that they have to be able to recover from. We have to be able to find this balance. You know, people also uh, analogize it to, you know, kind of digging these holes, you know, with training, we're digging this hole, we're putting this this athlete in a certain deficit. And so, you know, we have to be able to make sure that that deficit is not so much that they can't get back out of it. And so it's the same thing with, with business. You know, we can't be spending so much money that we can't make that back in the month or the week or whatever it is. Um, and so trying to help both our, our young coaches, but also our athletes, because they're bad about this too, help them understand that it's not about the work that you can do, but it's about the work that we can do that's going to make us a better athlete that we can also recover from. 
you know, a two hour lifting session after a two hour basketball practice, then followed by another hour of shooting hoops is probably not the best thing for us if we have a game in two days. You know, what can we be doing to make sure that we can bring us back to a, a you know, a net zero and even balance or even a positive as we get ready to prepare for that next game? Yeah, the, the bank money. Uh, analogy usually usually works pretty well investing in, in stuff like that so, <laughs> right. so definitely a, a good connection point right there and everyone loves money and money's very objective and then we have training which is math and science but it's super great that yes. continues to just frustrate me but the very cool kind of fundamental setting the stage for just your lens and your context coming from this business background but then tying it into not only being a business owner in performance but also being a performance coach yourself so so very interesting and unique, different kind of lens. So kind of getting out to the next question, what is the coolest story thus far? So so if you were on the stage in front of the entire world and said you have one story to tell about your career thus far, what uh, sure. what would it be? Uh, I mean, again, that it, it's always a tough one. Um, you know, I, I think one of the... And again, I, I think when we talk about the stories that we have in the past, a lot of it has to do with, you know, what we've got going on right now and the things that we're seeing. Uh, the, the one that comes to mind very, very quickly is, uh, you know, there, there was a lot of times, especially as, as coaches, I think we spend a lot of time trying to figure out how can we affect these athletes, not only to be productive and to be successful right now when they are under us, but also be successful for um, the rest of their lives. Uh, there was a, an individual that I coached um, back in Lebanon, Indiana. He was a track athlete for me. And when I was a coach, we would get to the end of the season and, and I would hand write a letter to all of our, to each athlete individually. And in that letter, I would write um, each of the times that they had run that year, um, I would track all their times, give them all their times, but then I'd also write them a little note. And I remember writing this individual a note um, and just saying to him, you know, this was his first year running track. And I said, listen, you know, it, it wasn't a great year for you. Uh, you didn't run very good times. I, I can see that you're passionate about this. Um, you may decide that, that you just don't want to run track anymore. Um, but if you do want to run track, you need to get you need to be very invested in it and you need to take this off season and you really need to focus and you need to um, do what you need to do in order to be successful. Well, I received a text message from that individual the next morning and he said, coach, I'm ready to go. Can we meet today? Uh, and this, that was his freshman year. Um, I saw him every day for the next four years. Uh, and he grew to the point where, you know, so his freshman year, he, I don't know that he ran a competitive race for us. You know, he was in some of the, the dual meets and the smaller meets where we could enter more people. But if it came down to two people in an event, he wasn't running. Um, he got to the point where he now holds multiple records for the high school. He went on to run for DePaul University, um, had a very, very successful career for them. Uh, but, you know, what, what ultimately this led to is, you know, his uh, drive and his desire to then be successful. So now at this point, he is um, in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, he is an artist down there. So he, he took his drive to be a successful sprinter to then be a successful musician. And so he is, um, he is now, uh, so his name is Chase Wright. Yesterday I saw that he is on the Fresh Artists 
whatever it is for Spotify. Uh, his his um, songs have over a million listens. Uh, so he he's a phenomenal artist and extremely successful. And this is all in the last 18 months, maybe two years. Um, and so, you know, I, I talk to him on a regular basis. And when I'm in Nashville or he's in uh, New Orleans, we, he, we connect. Um, and he talks about how, you know, he learned a lot of those uh, habits and he learned that that drive and that desire to get better through what he was doing with track. And so for me, you know, when I think about the coolest story, it's not necessarily the NBA players that I got to meet or I got to work with. It's it's not our ability to grow our business right now and um, be able to expand, but it's it's those individuals that I get to have an effect on and now see what they're doing in their professional career. Um, and for them to relate that back to anything that we did, I mean, it's just, it, it blows my mind. It blows my mind that, you know, things that we were doing, because, you know, now he's 27, 28 years old, you know, that was over a decade ago that he and I were working together um, and he is still doing these things. And it's just, you know, it's phenomenal to see. It's interesting how it is about training, but it's also not like that's, that's what brings coaches and athletes together. And that's the, the things that you do on a daily basis, but the things that are taken away or the things that they turn into often are not related to kind of training in, in any sense, but similar with the business example, being a musician and just being a professional, there's a lot of things that can be taken away. So whether it's applying business concepts to periodizing and leading others and coaching coaches, or whether it's taking being being an athlete and being driven, but then also being coached and then also just pursuing and thinking outside the box and how to be successful, can be tied into so many, so many other things. And that might be why, like, we all have such a a, a fascination with sport is because like the iron doesn't lie. I think that's probably like the, the biggest thing is like, you know, no one ever became successful in the weight room or training by like, you know, cutting reps and, and kind of cheating the system where sometimes in sport they do. So I feel like that's, that's what kind of has drawn us in. And there's this people love sport. So that's why they're drawn to it. And then they train and they realize that they have to actually put in the work to be good at it. And then they, they bring that in. Um, to everything else they do but the the big thing that kind of popped in my head listening to that story was did you have any res reservations when you decided to the the direction you wanted to go with that letter what what was kind of your thought process going into that <laughs> um so you know i i think a lot of that has has to do with who i was as a coach at that time, you know, I, I think we all kind of look back and watch as how we evolve as coaches. Um, you know, when I first started coaching that team, um, so I, I was a collegiate sprinter. Uh, I was a three-time All-American in, in the 400 and four by four. Um, and, and I was even running post-college for a little bit. And so at that time, you know, I was also head coaching for that team. And, um, you know, I'll admit I was, I was a little full of myself. And so, you know, I kind of felt like I, I knew everything and, and, you know, I was going to help bring this team along and, and make them this great team. Um, and so, you know, I think part of that kind of went into that letter and it was kind of one of those things where I think in the moment it was like, don't waste my time. Don't come out here if, if you're not going to be a competitive athlete. Um, I don't know that I would write a letter the same way, um, but 
I've always been very transparent with our athletes too. You know, I'm not going to lie to you about your, your potential and what you can do. Um, and I think we all know different athletes and, and how they receive messaging. You know, some of them receive are, are better at receiving uh, some of that harsh me messaging and, and something that's a little more realistic. Uh, you know, there were other individuals on the team that there's no way I could have talked to them that way. Um, and so, you know, I, I think there were definitely reservations when I wrote that, not knowing how he or his family would react to it. Uh, in hindsight, I'm, I'm extremely glad that I wrote it the way that I did. Uh, but I don't know that I ever thought that that was going to happen. Um, and so, again, you know, I, I think it, as we evolve and uh, we think back about how we do things, I, I'm glad I did it that way, but I don't know that I would have done it that same way. I definitely don't know if I would have put it in writing, um, but maybe a, a conversation that, that would have happened, uh, you know, still after the season uh, with kind of the same uh, message. And, and of course, not only does it take writing that message, but it takes the, the reception of that as well, you know, yes. but I feel like on this topic of like, I don't know if accountability is the term I want to use or, or people are like, oh, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I'm going to tell them how it is, if, you know, blah, blah, blah. Where it's like, yes, there are times to have those tough conversations. And, you know, hindsight's always 20-20, you know, having it in person as opposed to in writing. And and the same thing with a different athlete could have been received completely different. But um, it's just interesting when when you feel comfortable enough with an athlete or you trust your gut with reason that they would receive that well. And you have that relationship with that athlete that they can handle it. And also, you know, credit to Chase for at that young of an age, 14, to be able to receive that like that, I, I think it's huge. But to, uh, I just wanted to kind of ask about just what your thoughts were. Um, so interesting kind of how it, how it all played out. Um, but uh, so before we get on to the, the last big story, just briefly, I know that this is a big part of your journey and one that not a lot of people get to experience. But when you became the personal traveling strength coach, for an NBA player uh, and just traveling around the country, I think is super interesting. So not to spend too much time on it, but just to touch on that. So I'm sure that that was still, you know, a big part of, of your journey. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So that, I mean, it was um, an extremely interesting process. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I did it again, looking back in hindsight, I, I, I definitely couldn't do it at this point in my life. Um, you know, but that's, we, we talk a lot on the business of speed podcast um, about your ability to create and evolve a network, your ability to um, speak with other individuals, your ability to um, constantly be um, giving to others. And so, you know, that opportunity really came out of me uh, being in a position to work with the individuals and, and the athletes in the Indianapolis area, uh, being willing to train anybody as, as often and as much as I could, uh, giving out a lot of, you know, pro bono sessions and doing a lot of free and discounted training. And, and eventually when the NBA lockout happened, being able to work with a number of NBA players. And so that's what, you know, kind of got me started. And uh, eventually that, that opportunity came up in the summer of 2014. Um, and ironically, what, what was going on at the time is I had actually proposed to my wife in May of 14. Uh, then this offer comes up really in, uh, I believe it was July. Uh, so we're getting married in September. The offer uh, comes up in July. Uh, but part of the offer is I'm going to spend a 
uh, four or five week period in Germany, training these athletes in Germany because they're going over there uh, for a couple of procedures that they're going to do. Um, you know, the, the PRP really wasn't being done here in the States at that point, but it was being done there. Uh, and so they spent a period of time over there going through that. And so, you know, spending four weeks away while my wife is planning a wedding, um, you know, I come back, we have the wedding, literally the day we get back from our honeymoon, we move to New Orleans. Um, and so, you know, going through that process, um, so we live in New Orleans for the season, then we live in Los Angeles during the off seasons, uh, you know, con consulting with the team, working with those individuals. Um, so it, it was a lot of fun. But again, you know, I talked to a lot of our young coaches. It, it's not something that I was planning for. It was not something that I was working toward. It's not something that, you know, I, I was doing a, a great job of going out and networking with a bunch of NBA strength conditioning coaches. You know, I, I was working with the individuals that were around, you know, and, and honestly, like I got connected with uh, this NBA player just because I had been training some of his former teammates for free. And so, you know, again, it's just, it was, it was a great opportunity and I'm glad that I had it. Um, you know, but, uh, a lot of times those, those things pop up, not because you're planning for them, but just because you're in the right spot at the right time, you know? And I think when a lot of people talk about luck and people having luck, it, it's just being prepared and taking the opportunities that are given to you and saying yes, as many times as you can, especially at a young age. And that led you down to NOLA and, and just, you know, all the things that have kind of come after that, but right. reflecting on, on that. So start to finish how long was that kind of part of your life so i was with the pelicans for the 2014-2015 seasons uh so after that I, I had the opportunity to stay or actually join the houston rockets um and at that point my wife and i just kind of decided that it was it was time to be done uh with the nba with those athletes um and and open something else up and at the time you know we there really wasn't a lot of good training going on in new orleans um, you know, there, there were some guys out there that said they did strength conditioning or, or speed and agility work. And a lot of times it was kind of those fast feet coaches, a lot of ladders, a lot of cones, mini hurdles, uh, or, you know, kind of football conditioning drills, just go out and how hard can you work for 60 minutes. Um, and so we, we believe that there was an opportunity here. And so that's really what, what kept us here. It's funny because it's true about all those letters and stuff. I always, <laughs> I always laugh when I see those on Instagram. But yes. Uh, so last question on that topic. What is like just the craziest, the craziest thing that kind of just came from that? Was it something in Germany? Was it just like being around these like seven feet people? And then like, you know, there's, you're just like with them or kind of like, what was the, the one most memorable thing about that? Oh, man. Um, you know, there, there were, there are a lot of stories. I don't, I don't know if all of them are stories that we can share here on the podcast. Um, but, you know, it just, it was seeing the athleticism of a number of these individuals. It was also really learning, comprehending, understanding. You know, we, we talk as coaches a lot about the neurological adaptations of athletes. We talk a lot about um, you know, genetic ceilings and, and what uh, some athletes are just gifted and able to do. We also spend a lot of time talking about compensation patterns. And so the way that all three of those things um, work with, with, you know, professional athletics, you know, a lot of times we think of these professional athletes as individuals that 
can just kill it in the weight room. And I've seen some of these guys, you know, there, there's one individual in particular, I, I would see him step onto a basketball court and, you know, untied tennis shoes, a pair of jeans on, a backpack on his back. He could run up and windmill dunk it. And then we would try and walk up a set of stairs and he would struggle to walk up a set of stairs, you know, to be able to do it upright without using a railing to be able to go in the weight room and be able to back squat 185 or 200 pounds successfully had, you know, struggled with that. But when he's on a court, he's phenomenal and he looks great. And so just understanding that, you know, some of these guys have a genetic ceiling that's what, you know, extremely high, much higher than some of the high school athletes that we work with, but they also have created these compensatory strategies over their career that make them great athletes. And so we have to find a way that, you know, we're not going to be able to just say, okay, well, here's how we train and here's, you know, our cookie cutter program that we use. And here's how I typically progress and regress athletes. I'm just going to put you in it. We have to understand, okay, here's how you have gotten to the point that you're at today. How can I help you, you know, without tearing you all the way down and trying to build you back up? How can I come along and assist you and build a program that's going to help you make a, you know, make you a better athlete um, while still understanding that some of these compensatory patterns are the reason why you're as successful as you are today, you know? And so it's a lot of times it's this puzzle uh, and sometimes the, the pieces are blank and we don't know exactly what those pieces look like, but we still have to try and fit them together in order to gain that clarity. Um, and so, you know, that, that can be a difficult strategy at times. It's interesting to see them in real time. And that's one thing that's tough about the private sector is you don't get to really see them play their sport unless you just attend a game here and a game there. But being there every day, like I think so just being a, an ex-college baseball player and working with pitchers myself, I just I just think about like so like mass is mass equals gas. You know, you weigh more, you throw more, and there's people like CC Sabathia. He lost all that weight. His velo was down. He wasn't the same pitcher. Then you have people like Carl Edwards Jr. He's like on the Cubs, 6'2", 185, soaking wet, throwing, like, <laughs> sitting 95. And then you have players like uh, Manny Machado, who said he got in the best shape of his life, and he's killing it. And then you have people like uh, Michael Lorenzen, who's already super buff, and, like, that's what he needs. And you have players like Trevor Bauer, who's, like, engineering his body, you know? And there's all these things where it's, like, mass is gas. Well, there's skinny guys that throw hard. There's people that have lost weight that do well, and there's people that have lost weight that don't do well. So it's to really, like, is it transferring? What are we really here for? You know, so I think that that's super cool that you were able to kind of see that in real time. And um, and just like, you think that they're super, super athletic and they are, but they're just not weight room athletic. So that, that must have been right. super cool to see firsthand. Right. Well, and, and that athleticism that they have, it may not be because of the um, typical or traditional um, loading and movement patterns that you're used to. You know, they, they may have a superiority um, so say from a jumping standpoint, they might, may not load their hip the same way that, that, you know, the athletes that you normally train, the high school athletes that you normally train do. Um, but that doesn't mean that you need to teach them how to do that. They may have a superior foot and ankle complex. And so their ability to load and express force through that may be what, what gives them that advantage. And so at times, and, and that's one of the things that I talk to a lot of our coaches and even our parents about is, you know, when we're bringing athletes into our program, it, it's very hard for us to just say, okay, 
well, here's a program that we normally give to a high school baseball player. We can't do that. You know, we, we have to understand when you are seeking out trainers and when you're seeking out coaches, it's more than just, well, here's what I've done in the past or here's what they need because this is their sport. You know, it's really understanding what does the individual need? What are their current movement, you know, patterns and efficiencies like and what do we need to do in order to make them a better athlete? Um, and, and that comes down to really understanding and knowing the body movement um, and, and how you can kind of play a role in that. And, um, and especially with, you know, hoopers, for example, because they're super athletic, it's like, they can touch 11 feet without ever having touched a barbell in their life. So then how are you going to sell them on the idea of, you know, busting their butt in the weight room? So it's interesting when you kind of phrase it in like, why are we really here? How do I, how do I communicate this as the most valuable possible for them when they haven't needed it to like windmill dunk before? So it's super interesting to see that in real time. And so Second to last question, last story. So the story that you are most proud of thus far. So if you had to, just the biggest kind of full circle moment, you had to, to share a story about that. You know, for me, the, the biggest full circle moment, I, again, I kind of go back to that, that high school track team. You know, when, when I was working with those individuals, Again, th this was the high school. This was my alma mater. This is the high school that I went to. Um, we had a, a pretty successful team while I was there. Um, I left. They sent maybe one or two people to state over the next uh, four or five years. Um, and so my goal going back was to, uh, again, kind of create this dominance. Um, and so, you know, we, we did very well. And we sent a number of people to state and we sent um, a number of people, we, we broke a number of records and I'm really, really proud of that. Uh, however, again, the things that I feel like I'm most proud of now is kind of looking at some of these athletes and what they're doing, you know, whether it's Chase and what he's doing in Nashville, you know, there's another girl that um, she was a part of the team and uh, her first couple of years, she was a 100, 200 runner and didn't see a ton of success. And I bumped her to the four and, um, you know, she doubted and her parents doubted and everybody around doubted. Um, and she ended up breaking a school record, placing sixth in state, uh, doing, you know, a phenomenal job. And now seeing her in international studies uh, and doing things around the world that's phenomenal. And so, you know, again, I, I think for me, like there, there are a lot of full circle moments um, you know, from a business standpoint, seeing what our business is doing and remembering years ago when we were just training in a park and we had, you know, nowhere else to be. Uh, you know, a lot of those things are, are, are big payoffs. However, to see these individuals and what they're doing and how their lives have changed and how successful they are, I don't know what part I played in that. They may be doing that today, even if they wouldn't have had me as a coach. Um, but, you know, to, to, to this day, I still receive letters from different individuals that I worked with over a decade ago. Um, and just knowing that, you know, I was maybe some small part of that, that that's what keeps me coaching. That's what really drives me is that, you know, we have this effect that uh, in these formative years from 13 to 18 years of age, you tell them things that you don't ever remember saying, but they still just resonate with them today and keep them driving. And so for me, like that, that's the best part of this. It is about training, but it's, it's not about training, going back to that theme. And, and it's interesting, going back to the basketball conversation about like, 
Well, they already touched 11 feet before they started working with you. So like, really, where do you come into this equation, you know, or if someone can't make it past a, a high school varsity roster, you know, well, then where is your value there? If they don't even have the desire to go beyond um, just high school sports and you never know, you never know what is going to stick with them. You know, and I'm sure that we could go back and forth and, oh, this coach, I, I really like this about that coach or that one phrase, you know, I keep it in the back of my mind. And, and it's like, that's not what you're going for. You know, it's not like every conversation you have with an athlete is like, this is going to be the one they remember forever. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be actually kind of weird, kind of challenging. But to to know that you never know and that this stuff does add up. And uh, there was a coach that shared a quote where it's like, was my team successful? I don't know. Ask me in 20 years, you know? And it's it's like, were they good athletes before you? Would they be good athletes without you? You know, like, for example, I had a high school athlete last night, second session with me. He ran a .995 flying 10. Wow. Just, just right off the bat, you know? So it's like, kid's already fast. He wants to get faster, you know? So like... <laughs> And, and, it, and it's funny, we were doing uh, 515s, and then before we ran, I was like, you know, under 1-3 is, like, super fast for a high schooler. He pops off a one two six. you know? I'm like, oh, gosh, <laughs> here we go. So, you know, and then, but he has, and he runs a six nine one fly, uh, 60. So it's having this conversation of, like, you're already fast, which is exciting that we're already starting super close to your goal, but you can get faster. Mm-hmm. you know as opposed to if i was like dang dude that was sweet you know like i've never seen that before da, da, da. he's like well maybe i am fat you know like right who am i to kind of hold him back but then also who am i to say like i'm the reason that he ran like obviously i'm not the reason and right. would he be fast regardless of coming to tc boost probably you know you got to a you got to a, a sub one flying 10 without us so it's like where do we really fall into that process but the the one example that i always fall back to is like steve worked with uh a a lacrosse player for a decade and basically steve's biggest part of that process was was just being supportive in all of this young man's injuries went through like four or five relatively big injuries like so when it first hit me well what if that first comeback just didn't go as well and then you just stopped playing the cross all of the high school lacrosse you played all of the college lacrosse you, you know like none of that would have been a thing so it's really interesting to think about it like you don't know, you can't really take credit, but you know that you're good at what you do and people come to you for certain things, but then there's studs for this cause and then the sport isn't directly weight room related, you know? So it's all of these things that make sense, but you can't really put your finger on it. Um, and hopefully I, I did that that uh, example justice, but yeah, how does all, that was my rant and now I'm throwing <laughs> it back to you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I agree. It's it's the intangibles, and and I think it's funny. You know, you talk about the things that you say and and what they're going to mean, and uh, there are so many times, just like you were saying, you, you feel like okay, this is the thing that they're going to remember. This is the I've been I've been I've been thinking about this speech. I've been thinking about this phrase forever. Uh, I'm going to give it to them. They'll remember forever. They never remember that one. It's the one. Yeah, exactly. It's the one that you say and. Uh, you know, you're, you have no idea that you said it in the moment, but five years later, like, you remember saying that? No, no, not at all. So just a, a gentle reminder to just, you got to bring the juice every day because you never know what's, what's going to happen or when okay. it's going to happen. So, so now last question, 
So I love the theoretical stories, lessons, experiences. I think that those are more valuable than the X's and O's. You know, the X's and O's are why we're here. But at the end of the day, we are practitioners and we have to be good at what we do. And we're all trying to get better. That's why we consume podcasts like this. If you consume mixed content, et cetera, et cetera. So if you had to give the listener one action, one question to ask themselves on a daily basis that you think help them become better, what would that question be? I mean, I, I, I've thought about this and, and I literally think that it's just that question itself is, did I get better today? You know, uh, one of the things that, that we're big on with the Business of Speed podcast is, is giving resources. One of the resources that I would recommend about this is, is the slide edge. The slide edge talks about getting 1% better every day. And so one thing that, that I always ask myself and that I always ask our team is, did we get better today? Did our athletes get better today? You know, we just had a meeting earlier this week and we were talking about, you know, we have a number of high level athletes in our facility right now. Um, a couple of guys that will have a chance to be drafted in the MLB draft, a couple of guys that will have a chance to be drafted in the NBA draft, um, a couple of individuals that are working right now to get on NFL teams. Um, and so, you know, we, we have and we also have um, some phenomenal high school athletes that are going to have a, a big chance in college. And we were talking earlier this week about at the end of the session, we need to reflect back on it and think to ourselves, did did what I do today with that athlete help them to get closer to their goal? Is, is what I am doing right now helping them? If not, do I need to change the program or do I need to change the, the way that I'm implementing it? You know, doing the same thing with yourself personally. Did what I do today help me get closer to my goals? You know, uh, an, another book that I would recommend is um, uh, the title, Your Best Year Ever. You know, and they, and they talk about goal setting and they talk about, you know, um, making actions toward those. You know, that's something that I just went through um, and having those goals displayed and, and knowing what those action items are, because it's so easy to get into the weeds of the day to day. And I've got to get this done and I've got to get that done. Uh, but a lot of times those are just tasks that just help us to get to the next day. They didn't necessarily get us any closer to our goal. And so making sure that we understand like, what are the action items to get to that goal? What do I need to be doing each and every day? And if there are things that don't help me progress to those goals, can I delegate that to somebody? Or is there a certain amount of time during the day that I'm going to get that done? Uh, you know, our my programming for my athletes. I love doing my programming. However, at the end of the day, is that helping me with my professional goals? Is that helping me with my goals as a coach, with my goals as a business owner? And so I've got to make sure that I have some time allocated each day um, in order to achieve those things. You know, I, I talk uh, with, with our coaches about, you know, I, I try to maintain a, a habit of reading 10 pages a day. You know, 10 pages in a business development book, 10 pages in a training book, uh, trying to read a research paper. Um, and, and there are days that I don't get it done and I can't get down on myself about that. But I've got to try and pick the habit back up the next day, uh, knowing that those are the things that are going to help me as I'm trying to achieve all these other things. And that's the thing. There, there will be days that we do not get one percent better, uh, but we can't put too many of those days in a row. Um, and so for me, it's, it's just asking that question, did I get better today? Because I don't ever want to look back and think, okay, 
uh, a year ago, I was in the same spot. I don't want my programming to look the same that it did a year ago. I don't want my coaching styles to look the same that it did a year ago. I don't want my staff or my business to look the same that it did, you know, and so always reflecting back and, and thinking to myself, okay, am I making steps forward? You know, because I've, I've always thought that if, if you're not making progress, if you're not taking steps forward, you're taking steps backward. There, there is no stagnation. There is no staying right here, you know, because the rest of the industry is moving forward. Other individuals are moving forward. So there is no staying in place. Um, and so for me, it's, it's always kind of reflecting back on that. Am I taking the necessary steps forward that I need to today, this week, this month, this year? And the biggest thing and the foundation of that is simply knowing the goal and like where you want to go and what you want to get out of your personal life, professional life, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's, it's hard. It's easy to take simple, small 1% actions, but you have to know what those actions are first or what the point of it is. Right. Or why is it worth being intentional about reading those 10 pages? You know, so whether it's listening to podcasts like the business of speed, whether it's reaching out to people that you respect and kind of just help get some clarity on what those goals are or should be, or just try to help it make a, a little bit more sense is, is going to go a long way, you know, because we, if we sum up all of our days, they can lead to some crazy things, you know, but you have to know it, it needs some direction is the moral of my story. So definitely very actionable, very simple, but it's definitely going to add up. So I want to say thank you very much for taking your time today. And now I'm opening the floor up, rolling out that red carpet for you to plug shamelessly whatever you got to plug. And I'm sure all this will be in the show notes, but the floor is yours. Sure, sure. Uh, so if anybody has any questions, you know, I'm, I'm always open to helping out, to talk and shop, to, you know, what whatever um, anybody needs help with. Uh, in order to get in touch with me, um, you can find our uh, business information. We're on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Bratton Sports Performance. Uh, it's at Bratton Sports Perf. Um, you can find my uh, personal information on um, Instagram, just Nick Bratton. Uh, you can find more information on me on my website, nickbratton.com. Uh, be sure to check out the Business of Speed podcast with Steve and I. Um, I feel like we, we tend to put out some good content. Uh, each episode, we talk about uh, some aspect of training, some aspect of business, and some aspect of leadership. And so we're always working to uh, bring you resources, bring you new thoughts and ideas, uh, and just try to uh, invoke more conversation. So any of those areas, please feel free to reach out. Fantastic. So those will all be in the show notes. And thank you again for, for taking the time for sharing some awesome stories. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to the next one.